This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. We're the dedicated weekly Southampton FC related pod who stuck by you every step of the way through lockdown. It's great to have you with us again, so thanks for listening. This week, with the return of football in the Premier League now in touching distance, I'm delighted to be joined by three wise heads as we preview Saints' imminent return to the pitch. Those opinionators are regular TSP panellist Glenda LaCour, the Daily Echo sports reporter Dan Sheldon, and NBC Sports and Saints fan Joe Prince Wright. Chaps, Great to have you with us. Um, Joe, let's start with you. You're currently stuck, in inverted commas, on the other side of the Atlantic, I think, albeit with your wife's family. So um, obviously just headed to the USA, I think, just before lockdown. So it's been an interesting couple of months for you, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's great to join you, lads. Uh, But yeah, the initial three-week trip to the US turned into three-plus months now. So uh, (laughs) definitely wasn't expecting that. Things kind of, you know, spiralled pretty quickly. Um, But yeah, like you said, with family... Over here in the States, we're tucked away a little bit. So um, it's been okay so far. Obviously, very excited to get back to the UK soon. Um, with all the action starting up, like NBC, all, all systems go, really. A lot of planning behind the scenes and uh, can't wait for June 17th. But yeah, all good over here. So uh, it's, it's lovely to join and chat with you lads as always about saying. No, it's great to have you along. And uh, just before we move on, on day of recording, uh, Joe, it's your wedding anniversary as well. Is that right? That is indeed, and my lovely wife Kelly, six wonderful years, I said it, been more like six weeks, and she 100% agreed with that, so uh, she loves football just as much as all of us, I can guarantee that. <laughs> no, well, many congratulations to you both, so uh, brilliant, and uh, Dan, have your um, past few weeks been sort of fairly quiet, or have they been eventful, or how have you been getting on through lockdown? Uh, no, it's not been too bad, I mean, I, I work from home anyway, so yeah. in terms of in that, not a lot really changed, apart from my girlfriend was at home a lot more often. So that took a bit of getting used to at first, you know. Oh, can we go out now? Can we go out? No, I'm working at the moment. Um, that phase soon passed. So similar to Joe, really, it's sort of, you know, all systems go at the moment, just mm. getting ready for that June the 19th. Yeah. You know, we'll obviously come to talk about some of the situations in a minute, but I imagine, yeah, it's ramped up pretty heavily for you the last couple of weeks. Lots going on at Saints as ever. Yeah. I mean, in terms of me, you know, it, the last week's been an absolute godsend. I'm on my own at the moment at the Echo. Yeah. And, you know, the, the expectation is we still have a, a same story every single day. And when there's been no football for three months, you think, how is that going to happen? But, you know, now there's a, a date in mind. You're almost thinking, you look back on the last three months and think it's actually gone quite quick. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to uh, things to talk about. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I know um, obviously he's just uh, finished last week, but uh, I think we've all enjoyed reading Alex McCarthy's uh, columns in your paper. It's been good to see those. So, uh, yeah, as you say, it'll be nice to have something uh, on the pitch to write about. And uh, Glenn, always good to have you uh, along with your uh, never-sit-on-the-fence opinions as well. So you uh, still walking the dogs and socially distancing and all that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, it was quite a good day today because uh, my daughter went and uh, lived with her boyfriend for a what she thought was going to be three weeks <laughs> and it's ended up being 11 and uh, today was the first day we actually managed to sort of get out and see her so that was uh, quite a good thing today we were still socially distancing even if um, many other people weren't but mm. uh, there you go that's a whole other discussion I was going to say let's quickly move on from that that'll be the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the total lockdown podcast or whatever won't it but uh, there we go but uh, look it's great to have you all on this episode uh, you know appreciate the time very much um, in TSP 119 we're going to chat about several topics of interest at the moment um, Firstly, we're going to have a chat about Ralph Hasenhutl's new four-year contract, which I think every Saints fan was absolutely delighted to hear about last week. Um, secondly, we're going to get the guys' views on the Premier League restarting in general, Project Restart, as it's been quoted. And lastly, we'll talk about Saints returning to action themselves, so including training again at Stapleford in the expected first game versus Norwich up at Carrow Road. So a lot to discuss. Let's get on with it. In partnership with Saints Archive and Saints World and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 119. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. HappyHotTubs.co.uk Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. So last week it was confirmed, maybe without too much surprise, given what the likes of Dan and Simon Peach had told TSP before, that Saints manager Ralph Hasenhutl had signed a new four-year contract, taking him up to 2024. Good news, as I mentioned there. Um, before I go on to talk to Dan and Joe, Glenn, um, from a, a sort of fan's perspective, what was your reaction to the news? Um, I was very pleased that he signed. It shows he must have some sort of faith in what we're doing. I know he feels like he, you know, he owes the club for the faith they showed in him after the uh, the very heavy defeat. Um, but he must see that we're going to progress. Hopefully, um, I do like the sound of the iBook thing or whatever it's called that he's uh, trying to do a blueprint for the whole club, which we allegedly had back in the early days of Les Reed, but we kind of strayed from that somewhat. So it'll be nice to get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet. So it's a very positive thing to have. He's the best manager we've had, certainly, since Ronald Koeman. Yeah. So, you know, it can only be a good thing um, from that point of view. I will say, however, that in a normal person's working life, you go through and you try and reach the stage where you're sort of like financially settled. And if, if anyone had offered me a four year contract where I was going to earn about 25 million quid without any fear of not getting paid, even if I failed, <laughs> then uh, I think I'd have signed it as well. So yeah. there's that on the other hand. But, yeah. you know, I'm sure from a football point of view, it's a positive thing. Yeah, no, I think you totally agree with you. And uh, Joe, I mean, likewise, obviously, as a big Saints fan yourself, um, I guess you can't underestimate what Ralph has done at the club over the past sort of 18 months, you know, really reviving many parts of, you know, the connecting uh, sort of structure of the club. And stability was obviously going to be needed if we're to try and move forward again, as Glenn mentioned there as a club. So I guess hopefully this announcement and Ralph staying longer helps to play a key part in that, really. It does. And I think it's worked best for him and the club at the same time. Uh, I definitely got the feeling, speaking to a few sources last summer before this season started, that Maybe, you know, some of the players were questioning, you know, his contract length or was he just using Saints as a stepping stone? You know, maybe the 9-0 defeat. I don't want to keep going back to that, but did it maybe humble him slightly and maybe realize that this is a good situation for me to be in? Mm. Uh, but I do think that Saints is, you know, model right now. We know there's not a lot of money floating around the club with transfers. So it kind of aligns with what he did at Ingolstadt and Ireland uh, in Germany and, and club fits him a little bit better than Leipzig where he had funds to spend. So uh, I think with the limited funds he has, uh, he wants the players to buy in. Uh, a lot of good young players now just on the cusp of the squad. Yeah. I think this suits him. And obviously his relationship with Martin Simmons as well. Mm. Uh, that's good. And Ralph is now willing to do the hard yards. You know, like Glenn said, uh, it was pretty interesting to hear some of the comments about him. You know, hearing Martin chat, I think it was with Adam Blackmore on the BBC Radio Solent. 
walked out and from a safe distance and around Southampton fans were gathering around and sort of congratulating him and he was chatting with them. Yeah. I think there's now that real connection, you know, like you talked about there, rejuvenating that between the fans and the club because that was missing for a very long time, you know, and that relationship yeah. is developing. Um, you know, I think about someone like my dad, for example, was a, a program seller at Dell as a teenager and loves watching Saints home and away and just people who love the club, they want to know that we may not be the best team. We may not, you know, be challenging for trophies every season. We all know that's not the case on a regular occurrence, but Hasenhutl seems to understand the optics very well. Like mm. Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, like a lot of other managers now, he gets it, he pays attention to the fans. And, and I just think that it's a good fit for everyone. So um, I think it's a good deal and it brings stability, like you said especially with the situation Saints are in right now. Yeah, totally. And uh, Dan, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned there, you told us a couple of months back that discussions have started about a new contract and we're going well, you know, behind the scenes. But I guess getting it done is uh, another thing. So what message do you think him signing for four years does send, you know, not not only to the club, but to the players, the fans, I guess the Premier League as well, you know, that Saints are sort of looking to move forward here? I think that the key word, sort of Joe mentioned a couple of times from the club's point of view is stability. Mm. You know, that, that's not something they've had for quite a long time when you look back at the amount of managers they've had in recent seasons. You know, so giving Ralph a four-year deal really does show that they have total faith in him. He has total faith in them. Mm. And I think a point that has been missed is, I think Adam Leach made the point on Twitter about, you know, they're at the moment they're perfect for each other. But the deal that Hassan Hutel's got at Saints, he wouldn't get elsewhere really in the Premier League. You know, how many coaches or managers have total control yeah. Could he expect to walk into, let's say, Chelsea and say, right, I want this to be done in the academy. I want this player, this player. This. They just say, no, that's not going to happen, is it? You know, the big teams don't necessarily do that. So he's got a pretty good deal at Saints, I think, yep. in terms that they trust him to create the SFC playbook ideology all over the academy. He's obviously developed a good relationship with Martin, which is crucial. You know, you speak behind the scenes and, you know, those two really do get on. Yeah. Um, obviously Matt Crocker is now part of that relationship and from what I'm aware they all get on as well but like Joe said it's just stability you know and it tells the players that this guy's here for well at least another four years um, yeah. so you know and that's going to help in terms of recruitment players are going to know well the manager hasn't just got a year left he's here for four years now so there's a good chance I can come and play for him and yeah. also for players out of contract it says that much as we like you Ralph's our manager now and if he doesn't want you, he doesn't want you. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point, particularly around uh, the captain, which I, I think Glenn will be talking about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think SFC playbook uh, probably is the, the right terminology to use rather than iBook because we might have Apple on our case, I think, if we start calling it that. <laughs> way, but, uh, um, yeah, well, but... I remember having a, a conversation with someone behind the scenes and they mentioned iBook and then I can't remember what we were talking about, but then your ears just pop up, iBook, what's that? <laughs> and yeah. then like, I spoke to a couple of people and found out a lot of information about it. And then the first time I put it to Ralph, he was like, yeah, we can't call it the iBook. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Apple would start suing us on that. Yeah, I was like, okay, fair enough. Exactly, exactly. So um, what, it's, a, it's an interesting point Joe made about Ralph being humbled by the heavy defeat yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It was cer- certainly at the start of this season, it felt like he'd almost fallen into the trap that Les Reed fell into of believing that he could do whatever he wanted and it would work. Mm. Mm. And yeah. it clearly wasn't working. Even when we were picking up, you know, the odd result um, at the start of the season, yeah. clearly we, we were very disjointed playing players yeah. out of position, that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and it was only the, you know, the heavy defeat and the, the few games after that where he really said, right, okay, I know what I've got to do now. Being humbled, I think is a very good description of kind of what happened and it, you know, forced him to press the reset button and we've been better since, even yeah. though, I mean, it's hard to remember before everything shut down, we were kind of struggling again a little bit. Maybe it came at the right time, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, it's an interesting point, is it? You know, he, I guess he said a few times, hasn't he, that he's, he's still learning, you know, he's learning in the Premier League and as you say, no one wants to lose 9-0 to learn necessarily, do they? But I think, as you say, it's a, a very valid point. And um, I guess that sort of leads nicely onto the next question, Joe, because the thing mm. I'm sort of thinking is that, you know, Ralph will now still believe that he needs to prove himself, I think, you know, not least if he does want to manage a bigger club one day. Mm. You know, he obviously said when he came here that he wanted to make a name for himself, I think was the quote that he used in December 2018. So I guess the good news for us as fans is that if he is to make a name for himself and do well and go on and get that potentially bigger job, it's going to mean that Saints need to do well on the pitch and get some results. So hopefully win-win. Absolutely. I think, like we said, there's a clear plan, there's stability. We have a clear playing style now. We said about this season we lost our way at the start of the campaign. 
I think a lot of that was to do with losing his assistant, you know, to Bayern Munich, Danny Roy. A yeah. lot of people overlooked that. I think Ralph almost was having discussions with himself on a daily basis about changing different formations and players. And none of us knew who was playing week to week, really. But yeah, I think now Saints fans know our limitations. Uh, so at best, if you have a really good season, finish in the top 10, have a very good cup run. Sounds cliche, but that's kind of where we're at. And at worst, have a relegation battle, but just about stay up. And if we're on this self-sustaining model, I have faith that Ralph Hasenhutl will, will do that at the bare minimum, while also developing young players. And let's be frank, it's much better to watch his teams play than a lot of the other managers who've had at Saints in recent years. So um, Absolutely. I just want to chuck something else out there as well, lads, because there's a lot of rumours obviously going around about potential new investment takeovers of the club. And the four-year length of this deal really kind of caught my eye. Is that something where the club is saying, OK, we're locking down the best manager we could possibly get on our budget and the size of club we are. So this kind of safeguards it for any potential investment or takeover that we have a top quality manager here and it maybe makes the club more attractive. So yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but I thought that was really interesting, the length of that deal for Ralph. Yeah, I think it is interesting. I, I think the other thing, and um, yeah, maybe jumping ahead, then Dan was. I was listening to Martin Simmons' interview that uh, Jay mentioned there with Adam Blackmore, and you know he made the point of saying that it wasn't about the money that they both wanted to get it done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was more about them agreeing and committing to the project. And I guess you know the whole point of that is, I think Martin said, there's no point you know signing them up for one year if you've got this project you want to do. You kind of need to support each other. So that possibly links into what Joe said there as well, Dan. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know that's been an important point to make is that. Ralph has bought into a project that's been sold to him. They've said, look, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to be. And he comes across as a manager that, you know, he loves detail. He loves this kind of thing. If someone gives you three months off, you then probably don't go and spend hours compiling training footage to give to academy coaches. But, you know, that's the sort of guy he is. The whole project is what essentially has led to him signing a four-year deal. Don't get me wrong, he's going to be well paid. But Mm. as Martin said, you know, that's almost come secondary at the moment I think to Ralph you know he'd get paid wherever he goes you know when you earn a certain amount of money what does an extra couple of million really do not a lot so yeah like you said the project is the big thing for Ralph yeah and I guess the other thing Dan as well it'll be interesting to sort of maybe understand as fans and you know I guess this will come out from some of your journalism going forward as well is promises that have been made to him by whether it's the owner or the board you know not least around maybe things like transfer budgets and having the ability to deliver the plan it's it's fine to have this idea and this wonderful playbook but you know he's going to need some support and backing to be able to actually deliver that yeah well I mean from what I'm told you know they're fairly reliable Gao in particular doesn't have a day-to-day say over what goes on at the club mm. it's not a case of oh shall we give Ralph a four-year deal Mr Gao it's Ralph's been given a four-year deal and he just looks at that decision and obviously says right okay you know you've got full responsibility to you know run this club I'm not putting any money in so mm. do as you please so from what I'm told you know it wasn't a case of Gao ringing up Martin and saying oh Martin we need to get Ralph tied down to a, a long-term deal you know that that didn't happen Mm. Martin and Toby essentially run the club day to day they make that decision Gal is left to analyse the decision effectively uh, on that basis yeah hopefully I won't come to uh, regret this uh, point in a few years time but I must say the more that I hear of Martin Simmons the more that I really like the cut of his jib you know he talks very honestly and I think it's nice to have that after uh, some of the people that we've had before that uh, Glenn mentioned there one of them uh, it's nice to maybe have some transparency so hopefully that will carry on and as you say he does seem to have a good working relationship with the manager which uh, again will be uh, fingers crossed good for the club Um, Glenn one thing just sort of finally maybe on Ralph before we talk about Project Restart that I thought was quite interesting uh, albeit some listeners probably won't is that uh, when you look at his managerial career in terms of sort of duration at clubs, um, this will actually probably mean that if he does stay for a certain period of time, it will be the longest that he has managed anywhere because yeah. 0- 07 to 10, he was at Interharking um, three years. So hopefully I'll get a point for pronouncing that correctly. Um, 11 to 13, <laughs> he was at Arlen, as Joe mentioned, for two years. 13 to 16, Ingolstadt, three years. 16 to 18 at Leipzig, two years. He's already been at Saints now 18 months. You want to feel that a manager is going to be at a club at four years, but you know in this day and age, time is uh, very valuable in football. We all know that. So if he's still here in four years, I mean, I think even Van Dijk's still got two years left on his contract with Saints. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess the point is, Glenn, you know, he he obviously has bought into the Saints thing, and you know, again, as fans, as, as Joe rightly said, you want to see that. You want to see someone on the the touchline who's passionate, and he's obviously got that passion and enthusiasm. Contract finances aside, to really see this through. 
Yeah, I mean, he is an incredibly enthusiastic guy, and that is obvious to everybody. You hear about some managers sometime, you know, they, they stand like Sven Goran Eriksson when he was England manager, for example. They said, he's a load of emotions, but he just doesn't show it. Rubbish. <laughs> yeah. You know with Ralph, what you see is what you get. The club did on their official channels, they did all these montages of his goal celebrations and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, from that point of view, that's enough to show me that the guy genuinely cares about the club and, and, the, and the fans and what he's doing. Um, I think he's always moved on from previous jobs because, you know, being an ambitious sort of guy, he probably felt he could do better. Even when he was at RB Leipzig, you know, the Premier League was a bigger draw. Mm. Um, and so, he, you know, he wanted to manage in our league. At the moment, to be brutally honest, he hasn't proved enough at Southampton no, to get a job at a high level. So, you know, if he was unemployed, this would probably be the best job he could hope to get at the moment. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's signed up for four years just to tread water, which is basically what we've done this season. Yeah. He signed up because he obviously thinks he can take us somewhere. And, and uh, hopefully the, uh, the, the relationship with Martin Simmons and what goes on behind the scenes that we don't get to know much about is all in place to help him do that. Yeah, totally. Well, it feels like just finally on Ralph, there's a nice connection with the pod this week because uh, obviously he uh, was brought in board by Martin Simmons and Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger is now, of course, the head coach of Buffalo Sabres and Joe Prince Wright is currently uh, stuck in Buffalo. So there we go. That's a nice sort of circle there, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> Excellent. But uh, look, I mean, it's exciting news nonetheless. And from a selfish point of view, means I can keep my Twitter profile picture for a little bit longer as well. So that's good. I don't have to change the manager. Um, and good news about Shane Long, as we mentioned as well, signing up for another couple of years, as well as young midfielder Will Smallbone or also signing up until 2024, a decent week off the pitch. But now it's time to focus on it as the Premier League gets set to return. Total Saints Podcast, Total Saints Podcast. sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Yes, after what seems like ages, not least if you're a dedicated weekly podcast host, the Premier League looks set to return next weekend, despite the UK still appearing to be under significant threat from coronavirus. Joe, your sort of general views and opinions as a fan on Project Restart? As a fan, it's great. Obviously, I think uh, the more that I've watched the Bundesliga and other leagues, I remember more so that it's about football. I love the game and I love watching it. I know we'd all rather there be fans in the stands, of course we would, and it adds extra drama and intrigue and atmosphere. But I've been by the intensity and the quality of play in the majority of the Bundesliga games. Yep. So that shows me that, that could equally be the case in the Premier League. As a fan, excited. Uh, I know from you know our perspective at NBC Sports, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with you know maybe piping in fan noise to help the. <laughs> The products seem a little bit different um, or, you know, having the option of just hearing the players and coaching staff on the pitch. But, um, yeah, I'm delighted it's back. I honestly didn't think we would get to this stage at some point throughout all of this. You know, thinking back to maybe mid-April, late April even, it seemed quite far-fetched. But, yeah, uh, I'm excited that it will be given the chance to start. And it's definitely encouraging to see zero positive tests in the Premier League uh, as of recording in the latest results. So, Uh, I'm excited, but also slightly nervous about Saints because this really could go one or two ways in the last (laughs) nine games of the season. So I hope that they can get three wins on the board as soon as possible. Exactly. Don't worry. That was one of my questions coming along because we've all followed them long (laughs) enough, haven't we? So, yeah, I've got to say I was listening to the um, I was uh, watching the uh, Dortmund against Hertha Berlin uh, game and obviously they had the noise in the background and uh, they were doing the you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing, that sort of thing. And I'm not sure if there was a German chant over the top of it, but I wasn't quite sure if they are going to start piping noise through whether it will be things like the referees or something like that but we'll have to see won't we but uh, um, it'll be interesting to see but uh, Glenn I mean what about you pleased it's back surprised it's back a bit of both bit of both initially when it was announced that it was coming back a couple of weeks ago I was like 100% against it mm. and my pre-1992 brain football without fans is nothing you know and I was I was thinking along that road but then you know, since 1992, we've kind of been moving away from fans anyway, let's be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can't have it the way we want it, which is fans in the stadium and, and everything being back as it was before. We can't have that. So we've got a choice. We either have nothing or we have this compromise. Mm. And, you know, once the German League started, it was always going to start. So I've kind of got my head around it now. And, you know, watching games on TV, I mean, obviously, we've all watched Saints games on TV before. For me personally, 
whether there's fans in the ground or not, I'll still be jumping out my chair and knocking beer over and swearing at the TV and all this sort of stuff in the same way I would be normally. So in the family centre, yeah. yeah, in the family centre, yeah. So I don't really. <laughs> no, I was talking about when I was watching games on the TV. So it's not really going to be massively different for me from that point of view i'm not one too much for watching games in pubs where there's loads of people and it's a bit like a sort of mini match day uh, like being in the ground so watching games at home that's fine as joe alluded to i know the club have been very positive and you know we're going to win all nine games and push up the league you know mm. they won't care about that they will especially with ralph's contract um they will be wanting to get the six or seven points or whatever it is we need to uh, get over the line so yeah, I'm quite happy with it starting. It's going to be interesting to see how playing with no fans affects certain clubs. It'll yeah. be interesting to see if, for example, Manchester United get as many hometown decisions when it's an empty ground as yeah. opposed to 70,000 people. That will yeah. be interesting. You know, some teams will, will adapt to it well and some teams won't. You could get some surprise results, but there's, there's absolutely no way of knowing yeah. at the moment. The only thing I don't like, sorry for going on a bit here, I do not like the change on the rules, on the substitutions. Yeah, I saw you commenting about that. It was hard to disagree. Tell us why you you felt like that. Well, I feel it only benefits the big clubs because they'll have nine superstars on the bench or whatever it is. And teams like us will have an an extra couple of youth players. Mm. And it just seems like it plays into the hands of the bigger clubs. I was quite disappointed, actually, that we weren't one of the clubs that objected to it. Mm. Um, we seem to have gone with it, which surprised me slightly. It's not the biggest of deals, mm. but you know, there's been talk about integrity of the competition, which always makes me laugh because there's no integrity of the competition <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but this just seems another step in the wrong direction. Mm. Um, you know, like we've had the FA Cup this year, which has been farcical because of VAR in the first game, but not in the replay and all, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, this does seem strange, but I guess it's more or less the same for everybody. Um, I know some teams have got one extra game to get through, but uh, I'm not terribly impressed with that. But I think once it starts, we will overlook some more of the, the strangeness that goes on around it and just get behind it and uh, hopefully get to the season still a Premier League club. Yeah, indeed. Um, Dan, we were chatting offline a, a couple of weeks back and you said you'd uh, have been very surprised, I think you said, if it was uh, null and voided. I think I was just only ever hoping it would be null and voided so that that 9-0 was written off forever. But uh, there we go. Um, I mean, do you think it's ultimately money that's really spoken here during the decision-making or uh, am I being a bit naive there? No, I, I certainly don't think so. You know, I'm pretty similar to Joe in terms of when you got to like sort of late April, and I'm sure Joe's the same when you're speaking to people who should know what's going on that say like they don't know what's going on. You're mm. thinking God, you just you couldn't see it restarting. But then in the back of your mind, you've always had money talks at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, Saints would have been looking at what around 40 million pound just wiped off mm. from TV money. They had to pay that back. So you could see a desire from a lot of clubs to get the season finished. But then, you know, like Joe said, once you see it start up in Germany and then you're kind of thinking, well, now people say, well, did France sort of curtail their season too early? You know, did they didn't give yeah, it the time. Yeah. So you, I think the Premier League, from a sort of PR point of view, they've played it quite well, really. They've just sort of waited for mm. whatever the government say. You know, they've just reacted to that. You know, they've been led by the government in that term. They've not come out and said, yeah, we desperately want to play, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've gone with the process of, you know, if the government say it's OK, we'll do it. And, you know, the government are obviously putting things in place to make it OK. So they're going with it. But sure, the overriding feeling of most people is that you know money does talk yeah. um and you know the clubs that perhaps aren't so happy with restarting are the ones more at threat of relegation mm. um where saints are in that position where obviously any kind of vote that needs to go through at the premier league 14 clubs obviously 14 clubs have to vote in favor of it for it to go through yeah saints are in that kind of weird position where you know they're 14 on paper you'd, you'd think they're safe but then it only takes two or three results against them and then they're right back in it. And then could they regret some of their votes? You never know. But, you know, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very much like Joe, sort of surprised when you think, oh, back in April when no one really knew what was going on, you think, well, there's no chance they're getting this done. You know, all these dates were thrown about and all these ideas. And then once the government sort of got involved and said, yeah, you can do it on this. And then Joe made a point about the zero test. That's another real positive and another yeah. fresh boost for Project Restart. The matches and training should be effectively some of the safest places in the country at the moment. If a player's got symptoms or has got coronavirus, they're not going to be there. Yeah. So I think from a safety point of view, at the end of the day, it's up to the players. If the players want to play and they're comfortable playing, then that's on them, isn't it? Mm. So, you know, from a journalist's point of view, me and Joe will still have to cover the game regardless. 
No, absolutely. And uh, just on that point as well, then, Dan, you mentioned the 40 million loss there. Um, I guess, you know, while there'll probably be some football clubs up and down the footballing pyramid who sadly won't be anywhere near as lucky maybe as uh, Saints are with finances these days. And, you know, it's maybe a, a sad state of affairs, unfortunately, because of the Premier League life that we've become. Um, from a Saints point of view, I suppose we all know that they are one of those clubs that now rely so much on the TV revenue in terms of the contracts they pay and, uh, you know, the wage bill and things like that. So, to essentially survive as a business, and I think, again, Martin Simmons said this to Adam Blackmore a few weeks back, I mean, it is critical for Saints as a business to really get this show back on the road as soon as possible. Yeah, from a financial point of view, this will affect Saints, but they're fairly confident that as long as they're playing, they're OK. Yeah. As long as games are being played and the money's coming in, OK, obviously, they're not going to be getting money from fans being at the stadiums, but that's not going to be a permanent thing. Eventually, fans will be back at stadiums. <laughs> mm. At the moment, the key thing for them was to get playing. If they weren't playing, and let's say they didn't play for four, five, six months, then, of course, they're a business. You know, they wouldn't be making any money and they'd be spending a lot of money. So from a financial point of view, in the, the latest set of accounts, it was a, a fairly big loss. But, you know, they feel that they're in a good enough place to get them through this as long as they are playing. Yeah. From a, an NBC Sports point of view then, Joe, you mentioned obviously the fans' view. I guess, you know, it's exciting for you and, and the team that obviously is returning and there'll be a lot of US-based Saints fans that are listening to this. So, again, having the coverage uh, being available once more to receive is obviously going to be a big boost for that side of the pond as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we already have a very extensive kind of coverage of it different to the UK where we can show all the Saturday 3 o'clock kickoffs in the UK live, mm. you know, on our TV channels, online. So, to show all the games like they're coming back to back aren't they throughout the weekend yep. and uh, a lot of people are very excited in Connecticut in our hub to give the, the games back to you know the people over here so um yeah I hope the Saints fans in the USA have a lot to cheer about and uh, I just want to say something as well I want to praise two particular people here because it seems a long time ago but Saints is players you have to give it to them mm. first club the way that they reacted the way the club has you know, worked with the community in Southampton. I think that was great leadership from everyone involved uh, with the foundation. Yep. You know, Greg Baker and his team there, that was wonderful. Uh, it may not be, you know, the thing to do, but to praise the Premier League. And I think Richard Masters actually handled this really well. I mean, he's not been in the job long after Scudamore left yep. and was kind of a little bit reluctant to take over. But within the first six to seven months of him uh, being in charge of the Premier League, he's had this massive massive problem to deal with and as Dan said you know I think they've handled it pretty well all things considered they've waited for other leagues to make decisions waited for the government done it correctly uh, haven't tried to rush through things um, so I think that deserves special praise but yeah in terms of NBC we're delighted uh, everyone's ready to roll and uh, it works out pretty interesting for us with a lot of you know 1pm eastern time kickoffs so uh, I think a lot of people working from home are going to be you know a little bit distracted, shall we say, <laughs> during the week and the weekends. Absolutely. Moving on to Saints on the pitch then, Glenn. Um, I guess this current period is going to feel a little bit like pre-season really, isn't it? And we all know Saints are generally slow starters after a pre-season. Um, of course, they're yeah. currently in an intensive prep mode at Staplewood a week or so now to go until the Norwich game. Um, in total, Glenn, nine games to go. As we mentioned, they're seven points above the relegation zone. We've all followed them a long time, so... Are you slightly worried or do you think that actually, you know, we should be looking up the table given it's, uh, you know, I guess a level playing field. Everyone's kind of starting from scratch again. No, I never look up the table. <laughs> we, we are t totally and utterly capable. If anyone of can do it, we can. It would almost be a completely Saints thing to do yeah. to go from a position of relative safely to getting relegated four months later. Yeah. It would be a totally Saints thing to do. So, yeah, for all the talk of pushing up the league and finishing in the top 10 and all that, no. Beating Norwich in the first game would actually be huge because that yeah. will put most of it to bed. Yeah. And, mm. and then we can maybe enjoy ourselves a little bit. But until we get to that point, no. I've been doing this too long to start looking up the table. I think it was only when Ronald Koeman was in charge. Uh, seriously, when, when I was looking, well, if we win our last four games, we could finish sixth. You know, yeah. that was the only time that I can remember actually looking up the league with any sort of like positivity from uh, this far out, nine games out sort of thing. Mm. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we still have work to do. We can't just roll up to these games and get turned over and it doesn't matter. I mean, there's a few teams that are sort of eighth, ninth, tenth. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking the likes of, I don't know, Crystal Palace, someone like that, who are a few points ahead of us. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, so they can do what they want in these games and, and, it, and it doesn't really matter. But for us, it's still a big issue. 
Totally. I was thinking, yeah, we're what we're seven points clear, twenty-seven points to play for. It's certainly more than capable, isn't it? But uh, Dan, I, mean, I had to sort of try and refresh myself with the remaining fixtures because it feels like forever since we went through them. But we've still got to play Arsenal, Watford, Man City, Everton, Man United, Sheffield United, Brighton, Bournemouth, and of course first up Norwich City. So you wouldn't say it's exactly easy. But how determined do you think are from the conversations you've been having with the likes of Ralph and Danny and people like that over the past few weeks that they are to try and you know finish the season positively? Yeah, I think that certainly obviously is number one priority is like Glenn's just said, you know, get safety out of the way. If they can pick up a couple of wins early on, then, you know, you can't forget about this season, but they can then really start thinking ahead of next season, knowing that there's no worry of being relegated. So you might see, you know, Jake Pokins play a little bit more often, or you might see Will Smallbone feature in the centre of midfield just because, you know, they've got to start looking ahead to next season and, you know, will Pierre be there or not? No one really knows at the moment. So, you know, why not give Will Smallbone a go? Mm. Like you've just said, you know, they, they haven't got easy games, but there's certainly enough games in there that are winnable yep. and that you think they <clears throat> they could win. Like, you know, Norwich is a game that, I mean, it's probably the perfect time for Saints because Norwich on a little bit of an upward curve just yep. before this all sort of happened. But now that momentum could have gone. And when you say Saints weren't exactly playing great before the break, so all players are going to be like jumping at the bit to get back out there and, you know, try and get three points. But yep. if Saints can just pick up those wins early on and then not relax, but, you know, start looking ahead and not have to worry about what's going on behind them. That'll be really important because, you know, you don't want to be going into Bournemouth, your Sheffield United at home thinking, oh, we still need to pick up points here because Bournemouth are going to be scrapping. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what Sheffield United could be playing for come the end of the season. They're pretty high up at the table, aren't they? So. No, completely. And I, I think actually, Glenn, uh, in terms of those away games, Watford, Everton, Man United, Bournemouth, Norwich City, as you mentioned, again, one positive for Saints is that there won't be sort of vociferous and in inverted commas fans there either. So it makes it even more of a level playing field, essentially. Like I say, I, we don't know how it's going to affect things. Some teams um, like Brighton, for example, were moaning about they won't have the advantage of playing in front of their own fans. And, and I've seen it said numerous times about, well, Saints are rubbish at home anyway. So <laughs> there seems to be this school of thought that it's somehow the fans' fault, which I think is complete rubbish. Yeah. But um, we don't know how it's going to affect us. Um, I'll tell you what, if we win all four home games, then, you know, maybe I'll revise <laughs> that opinion. But yeah. Joe said that to me you a couple know. of weeks back. Yeah, I, I can't see it happening. We've only won four <laughs> games at home all season. So, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's funny. At risk of being very, very boring, I did a bit of research on our home form. And, it, you know, we've been eight seasons in the Premier League now, if you include this one. Yeah. In the first four seasons, 76 games, we won 36 of them, scoring 134 goals. And so far, last four seasons, we've played 72, only won 20. So we've won 16 less, which is four mm. games to go. And we've only scored 80 goals. Mm. So it's huge, the difference in the last four years. You know, that's obviously something that Ralph's got to get to grips with um, at at some point, because no manager in the last four years has. Yeah. Joe, I know you've been heavily analysing the return of the Bundesliga versus the amount of home wins. We've seen lots of posts about it, which I think, you know, it's an interesting point, of course, over the past two, three weeks. Um, as we've seen it, the home performances in inverted commas have been far outweighed by away wins. Um, you know, we know Saints have struggled at St Mary's for a few years now, as Glenn's just mentioned there. So do you think potentially an empty stadium at St Mary's for the, the remaining four of the games will benefit the team? Or do you think it's too unpredictable to really tell? Too unpredictable, but I'd actually... That's one of my reasons for positivity, maybe, uh, when it comes to the last nine games, because I think we've shown how good we are away from home, environments where fans aren't really there. So, yeah, I think it's something that maybe could play in the Saints' hands. Like you said, the Bundesliga, it's an incredible number of away wins. It's been unreal to see that. But uh, it's something that Sky, I I read, and they kind of broke down the average position uh, in the table of our remaining fixtures um, of each Premier League team. And on paper, Saints had the fourth easiest remaining schedule. Yep. So, you know, uh, in terms of average position, but we all know there's a lot of other factors that come into that. You know, you're playing a lot of teams down the bottom, Norwich, Watford, Bournemouth, Brighton. Yep. Um, they're obviously going to be extra motivated. So you almost want to be playing, like Glenn said, the Crystal Palaces, Newcastles, Burnleys right now, because there's going to be a little bit less pressure. But on the flip side of things, maybe that will work out well for Saints because... Uh, teams are at the bottom. They may take a few more risks to get the points they need. Uh, and then Saints can obviously, the way they play, they'd be a bit more you know, open. I think we do much better in open games mm. uh, when there's a lot more spaces for Danny, Nathan and, yeah, you know, absolutely. like to Sofian to play in. So that may work out well, but uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. But like the lad said, it'd be great if Saints can win at Norwich, maybe get a draw against Arsenal, and then they can start planning because... 
let's be honest, we haven't been able to play them for so long now. Uh, we've always been in a relegation scrap under yeah. the last two or three managers. So when we get to this part of the season now, hopefully we can have that deal for a right back locked up, whether it's the guy at Genk or somewhere else. And we can have our transfer targets locked in yeah. and say, this is what we're going to do. We already know it now. And as Dan said, we can experiment because I really like the look of Will Smallbone. Bokins is great. Obafemi. Uh, and I think there's some good young players there that can play big parts next season if they can kick on now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's wait and see how it goes. Who knows how it's going to go, but uh, it's not going to be uh, dull. Let's, let's put it up. <laughs> No, absolutely. I know uh, Dan did a piece on uh, potential right-back signing last week. Uh, Dan, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I thought it was interesting that uh, Jay said the uh, Genk link there and not the Groningen one, whose name I believe is uh, Zifoik I'm going to go with. Uh, I think that's the pronunciation of it, but I think you could probably translate it a different way if you wanted to. Um, in hindsight, Dan, apart from Musa Gineppo being absent for the Norwich game, who I think must be the Guinness Book of Records holder for the longest ever period of time for a routine three-match ban now... Um, do you think the break kind of came at the right time for Saints? Because, you know, they managed to get players fit again that were out before, you know, the likes of Nathan Redmond. We were on a bit of a dodgy patch of form as well, you know, losing to Newcastle and teams like that, Burnley, etc. So do you think it's it's potentially from a positive point of view as well come at the right time? Yeah, I mean, certainly given the players time to get fully fit, well, maybe not match fit, but, you know, no sort of aches and pains or, or little niggles here and there, you know, the breaks give them time to, to recover from them. Mm. I mean, Joe might know if he's been looking into Germany, but wasn't there a study where it's something it's like 250% more injuries in Germany since they've come back than there were before? Is that right? Something along that Something lines. like that. It's, it's a huge spike, yeah, in muscle yeah. injuries and, you know, yeah. the recovery time. So, yeah, and definitely it, something to watch out for. And, you know, obviously Saints, Danny Ings has a, a long list of mm. uh, obviously nasty injuries. Nathan Redmond, you've got to be careful with him. You know, he's yeah. not played in a very long time. Michael Obafemi done his hamstring twice. So, you know, there are all these factors that, yes, the break helped them out in some sense to rest the likes of Danny and let Nathan recover. But it's, you know, you still got to be careful when they go back into, you know, 90 minutes full on against Norwich on the 19th of June. Yeah. But it's just like Joe said, like a while ago, you know, it's just an unknown. No one knows. Yeah. You know, no one knows what it's going to be like. No one knows how the players react. No one knows if injuries will increase in the Premier League. I mean, based on the stat out of Germany, you'd imagine that, you know, it's probably almost certain that there will be more injuries. But then... Saints touch would have been okay with injuries this season and they've only had a few yeah, um, yeah I mean like I say we just have to wait and see totally it'll be interesting if a team down the bottom loses a couple of games then it'll be interesting to see how many uh, Covid positive symptoms come up quickly won't it <laughs> and that sort of thing but uh, um, look, I don't feel like an ask Joe because obviously the season may well be over by the time he makes it back across the pond but from your point of view Dan <laughs> are you kind of aware yet of you know your situation in terms of whether you're able to go and follow and report on them or are you you know medical conditions to be respected and things like that I've seen this red yellow green thing and or you know is it likely to be virtual or do you not know yet um, as far as I'm aware and the last I've been told is that I will be able to go and report on them mm-hmm. uh, home and away. I think there's something like possibly 25 journalists from the written media will be allowed to go uh, right. to games. That's the last thing I was told. Obviously, nothing's confirmed yet. So, you know, if that's the case, then I will be one of those. Yeah. Um, I imagine gone will be the days, and Joe will know all about this as well, that, you know, Nationals will send three or four reporters to the same game. I can't see that happening yeah. uh, or certainly being allowed to happen. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, 25 is the number I'm told from written members of the press. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd expect as a local to be one of those. Yeah, totally. I, I can't imagine the mix zone is going to be quite the mix zone that it used to be, as in whether it'll even exist, something like that, I wouldn't have thought. No, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> it. I mean, these, these things still need to be decided. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're there, then you can work the other stuff out. The main thing is being there. Yeah. Just finally then, Glenn, because uh, we were sort of saying before we start the pod, it feels a bit um, unrealistic to try and preview the Norwich game. We don't really know what's going to happen, who's going to be available, formations, tactics, because there's no real form to speak about. And secondly, I don't want to keep Mrs. Uh, Prince right waiting any longer than we'd agreed with Joe. Um, just in terms of Saints then, Glenn, what do we reckon? Two Saints wins, get yourselves pretty much safe, relax and start focusing on the next season. Easy, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was an interesting thing that Martin Simmons mentioned in his interview about, you know, we're technically in a transfer window mm-hmm. at the moment. I hadn't thought about that. And I suppose June the 1st, we are. And that's why you've seen a, a couple of deals go through. And, you know, we've done the work with Shane Long's contract, which is um, which is well-deserved, by the way. Yeah. I do wonder if he would have got it if uh, Che Adams hadn't been such a disappointment, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, so far this season. But, you know, fair play to Shane. He's come in and he's done well. Agreed. Um, if we secure our status, then that's a point at which the Pierre Hoiberg situation comes into into focus. Yeah. Um, what do you make of that? 
Well, I thought it was interesting, again, what Martin Simmons said about Pierre's sort of guy who's 100% committed, no matter what. He doesn't let things in the future sort of bother him. He just gets on with it. And I think that's very important, bearing in mind how some players have left us in the past. Mm. Me, personally, if the guy gives 100% whilst he's wearing a Saints shirt um, and he gets the move he wants, which is obviously to a higher level, then, you know, fair play to the guy. Mm. Um, and, you know, thanks very much. And we have to then try and replace him. And we just hope the black box is functioning again. Um, because if it isn't, we're going to struggle. Yeah. So whether you think he's good enough for the move that, you know, he seems to want is irrelevant, really. As long as he gives 100% in the Saints shirt, um, I'm not bothered. His situation will probably inform Oriol Romeo's situation as well, because he's out of contract next year. Yeah. I guess he's more likely to stay if Pierre goes, if that makes sense. Um Ralph is obviously looking at Smallbone as well as an option in the centre midfield. We've got Callum Slattery kicking around as well. We've got Harrison Reed to come back. Are these players going to going to make any headway next season? Who knows? Um, but we do need to get over the line to to be able to plan, as as the guy said earlier. So I definitely think there will be an emphasis on uh, on hitting the ground running. Um, I mean, we we have started seasons before appallingly badly and lost the first nine games. So. Yeah, that could happen to anybody. But I'd like to think that with us having some continuity, with having the same manager mm. uh, for a start and the same players, it shouldn't be the calamity that we're all fearing. So get a couple of wins, get over the line, and then everything seems a lot easier. And if I can just butt in on the Pierre situation, like Martin's obviously said, everyone behind the scenes, you know, Pierre is a guy that will turn up and give 100% in training and on a weekend. But from what I'm aware, you know, this isn't something that Saints are going to want to rumble on. Mm. You know, they can get the nine games out of the way and then it's a case of, well, you know, what do we do now? Saints want to be organised this summer. That's something that I keep on hearing. You know, we want to get things done early. You know, we made that same mistake last summer. Look what happened when they brought Kevin Danza in on deadline day. You know, he struggled all season because he's just not been up to it. So that's the hope of getting the right back in now. He can then spend the summer. You know, he can't play until next season, but he can certainly train with the players whilst they're still playing competitively. Um, And this Pierre situation, whether he signs a new deal or not, Saints certainly don't want it to linger all over the summer. And, you know, Tottenham is supposed to be the club interested. Everyone knows how Tottenham do their business. Mm. And Saints certainly don't want to do business like Mm. that. The ball's in Pierre's court, really, isn't it? You know, he's he's captain. He's offered a deal. If he doesn't want to sign it, then Saints would be silly to keep hold of him when they can make some money on him. Um, I think if it does come to that point and they are going to sell him, then it'll certainly be much a case of, well, this is our price. Mm. You either come in now when you get him, or you yeah. don't, and you just leave it. There's no point coming in now with a, a small offer and then coming back on deadline day. Yeah, I, I honestly yeah. think there will yeah. be a deadline that they'll have given to Pierre, and basically it will be, if he doesn't get the movie once by that time, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he signs a new contract and stayed. Mm. Mm. He does no, seem to be to be that sort of guy who would be able to put it behind him and go, okay, yeah. you know, obviously, yeah. you know, I'm not as desirable as I thought I was at this particular moment in time, so I'll, you know. And he, he's not had the best season. He's not been the standout player, in my opinion, this season. He's probably not been one of the three standout players. And there's been three standout players, I don't know, but he certainly wouldn't be in the yeah. top three of standout players. Mm. Um, if I can jump in on Pierre as well, I just mm. want to, I, Dan, I know you've spoken to him as well in person, and he is an intense character. But he, I get the feeling that, like Glenn said, if the situation doesn't evolve how he'd like it to, I think he would go back on sort of feelings or say, you know what? I wanted to do this. It hasn't worked out. I'm happy to stay here. And I don't think we could really question his professionalism or his character. Wherever he remains captain is maybe something slightly different that him and Ralph would have to work through to kind of repair that relationship slightly. But um, I think that he's intense. He's ambitious. That's what you want. And it kind of drives me a little bit crazy when Saints fans, myself included sometimes, I just think that, we forget sometimes the size of the club and when we're signing players with almost a guarantee or promise that if a club, the next, you know, level up, the top six big teams in Europe, if they come crawling, then it's almost an understanding, a gentleman's agreement, shall we say. Mm. Uh, you can move on as long as we get the price we want and that's the model of the club and that's what, you know, makes the wheels go around at Southampton and, and makes, you know, the revenue and the profit and, it hasn't happened for a while, has it? I mean, since Van Dijk left, really, we haven't had a huge lot of success and a lot of our players haven't been good enough yeah. for other clients <laughs> to buy them. So, yeah, um, yeah just to you know, develop the areas of character is intense and I think he'll deal with it 
properly and I think that's all you can ask for in this situation. Totally Joe I think the only challenge I think I probably see is that uh, the player is one element of it here and uh, you know I totally agree with you guys I think he is the sort of player that would potentially sign up and commit longer I think the problem is that he's got a brand new super agent you can smell some cash here and he's probably going to be quite interested in trying to make something happen at uh, some point plus we as you say we've got the whole Daniel Levy I'll offer you 10% of what you're asking factor to go through for weeks haven't we so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens but yeah um, watch the space on that I guess um, look even though we're not going to do a preview on the Norwich uh, pod um, this week we can not let you guys go without doing some form of uh, uneducated and totally random match prediction of course so um, Dan let's start with you then for the Norwich Southampton game the first game back after weeks and weeks and weeks no prep no real sort of knowledge of what might happen what's your score going to be Dan? 2-1 Saints 2-1 Saints and of course I think the last time you predicted on this pod unless I'm mistaken remind us what it was Oh, I'm going to be really bad now. I can't remember. What was it? It was a 2-0 win at Crystal Palace, I believe. Yes, oh, nice. it was. Yes, it was. it was. And we won 2-0 at Crystal Palace on your birthday, if I remember. So uh, Yes, and I wasn't there. Yeah. Right, 2-1 Saints win. Glenn, any better than that? I haven't got a clue, mate. Not a clue. Um, <laughs> I'll go for a, I'll, not a clue. I'll go for a draw. I'll go for a one-all draw. One-all draw. Which I would actually be quite happy with. Getting out there without getting beat, I think, would be quite good. Nah, fair enough. I also went for, bearing in mind what you've just said, I went for a 1-1 opening uh, uh, stalemate. I keep saying opening day. It feels like the start of a new season, but there we go. Um, come on then, Joe. Bring us home in glory. I'm going to go with two all because I think both teams can definitely improve defensively, but aren't bad going forward. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. A big thanks to Dan Sheldon, Joe Prince-Wright and Glenn Delacour. Hopefully we can get Dan along after the Norwich game, maybe just twist his arm to come along and have a chat to us, tell us about the experience and the atmosphere and all that sort of thing, Dan. So we'll keep in touch, maybe. Um, we'll be back again next week to pick the bones out of that Saints return to action. It'll be interesting to see how they get on during this, uh, no doubt, intensive nine-match period. Most importantly, let's hope everyone remains healthy throughout the remaining Premier League period at every club. So until next week, keep marching in. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.